Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name's Marion Rose, PhD, and today I have another lovely guest with me as we continue the series about the effects of birth. So today I have Carly Facius. Welcome, Carly. Thanks, Marion. I'm so glad that you're here. I'd love to do a little intro of some of your qualifications, titles. We were just talking about this before. You've got a lovely long list. So Carly, you're a registered midwife, an international board certified lactation consultant, uh, master primary maternity care, and aware parenting instructor. Yay. So you bring together so much wisdom and experience about birth. And I'm really grateful that you're here today to come and share some of that wisdom with us. Thank you, lovely. Thanks, Marin. I'm really excited to be here. Yay, so wonderful. So I thought we might start by just hearing a little bit about your journey to and with Aware Parenting. Are you willing to share about that to start off? Yeah, I'd love to. Yay. I actually first came across the Aware Baby probably 10 or more years ago, working with home birth clients in Melbourne. And it was quite a common book to see in those households but I didn't actually ever read it. (laughs) (laughs) And so it wasn't really until I had my own children that I started exploring different parenting approaches and I was working in the parent support space as well. So I was exposed to lots of different resources and lots of different information. And it just became very clear to me that the aware parenting approach was the one that was the best fit for me it was the approach that resonated with me the most I would say that I probably didn't really start practicing aware parenting until my son was 18 months old my first son and in preparing for this chat I was reflecting on some of the things that had happened when he was a baby and I realized that potentially I was using some of the aware parenting approach more than I knew and I was reflecting on a time when my first son was six weeks old and we were moving from Australia back to Indonesia after he'd been born in Australia and so it was a very busy and intense time and he had been quite calm throughout all the packing and busyness and moving and cleaning and preparing for the move and then the evening that we were about to get on the plane he just started crying and he didn't stop crying and I remember just talking to him and saying oh my goodness oh my goodness like this is such a big thing we're moving and there's a lot of feelings from everyone in our family and there feels like a lot of pressure for making it to the flat I think we returned back to Indonesia with like 100 kilos of luggage so there was a lot of things to organize and I remember just sitting with him and holding him and talking to him and thinking wow this is really big for you you're feeling all of this not that long after you've been born you're still adapting to being in this new world and we're changing the world on you and he had a big 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 cry 
And that evening he fell asleep as we travelled to the airport and he didn't wake up until we arrived at our house in Bali. So he slept the entire check-in process with the hundred and something kilos of <laughs> luggage. He slept the whole flat. He slept through immigration and customs and a taxi and then woke up when we arrived at our house in Ubud. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is amazing. So you hadn't really kind of remembered, but until reflecting back recently mm. to actually go, oh my gosh, look at look at how powerful that was. That you, yes. That you listened to those big feelings and then how relaxed he was after that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I, like many people, felt that if a baby was crying, there was something wrong and there was something that I needed to do to soothe or remedy it. Even though with that example, I had some awareness that he was very sensitive to all of the things that were going on. But as we continued into parenthood, I didn't do a lot more listening to feelings. I didn't really see that that was something that was going to be important for him or necessary for him. Even though there was an awareness that there were feelings there, but I didn't know how to listen to feelings. And it wasn't until he was about 18 months old that I started learning more about aware parenting and becoming more comfortable with listening to feelings. And then we listened to a lot of feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And as I've learned with aware parenting, they can often be a bit of a backlog when children haven't had that opportunity early on in, in their life. And so... I feel like it was a backlog that went for like six months or a year. (laughs) There was quite a lot there to listen to and a lot of practicing and a lot of becoming comfortable with holding that space. And so since then, it's been a big, a big part of our life. And I just saw how much value it brought to all of us and how there was just so much more presence and connection and I understood my children in a way that I didn't know was possible and there was this emotional intimacy that I didn't know was possible and I also have had a number of experiences where I felt very envious (laughs) at their incredible outward beautiful expression when they're on the floor like you know using their whole body and there's slobber and snot going everywhere. And I thought, I think I need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I hate> you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. I love hearing that. That emotional intimacy that you talk about. I hear that so often from parents, and I'm sure you do too now as well. Mm. Like parents often starting often perhaps coming from maybe classical attachment parenting sometimes or just already feeling connected with their babies and then having this even deeper connection and intimacy Mm. that they hadn't even realized that they were missing until they had it it's so beautiful isn't it absolutely I think something that really stands out for me with aware parenting is that emotional intimacy with myself and that connection to myself because for so many years I'd been working with families and babies and so many of the mothers that I was working with would 
stretch themselves in all these ways in order to meet the needs of their babies and children. And that's what I was also doing. And I was finding it really challenging because I was getting to a place where it was really hard and I wasn't looking at my own needs. I wasn't prioritising myself. I wasn't seeing it as it was me and my child. I was like, I need to do everything for my child. I need to be available. I can breastfeed on the couch. I'll hold them asleep for hours and not go to the toilet or not get up and get a drink of water. But that's what you do in order to be available for your child. And I think that's something that I just found was such a beautiful difference with aware parenting is it was so much about me finding out what I needed and how to take care of myself in order to show up for my kids in the way that was going to be the best and the most present and the most connected and so I, I feel forever grateful for that. It took away the martyrdom. Like there was an element of martyrdom that I felt quite, yeah, attached to, I guess. And so it helped to ease some of that and to know and to see that there are different ways of doing it. You don't have to give every single thing you have to your children, to your mothering, to your parenting. There's different ways to do it where you can meet everyone's needs. Yeah, again, I so agree with you. It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Really, that paradigm that it's not just about the baby's needs or the child's needs. And it's really exactly as you said, so essential for us to be listening to our needs or often from the majority of us learning how to actually know that we have needs and to understand what mm. it is to be willing to meet them. It's often quite a parallel journey, isn't it? Otherwise, I think, yeah. you know, burnout, resentment, all those things are yes. pretty likely, aren't they, if we're really ignoring our needs in those ways? Yes, absolutely. And I was enjoying parenting. I loved being a mother. Yay. It just it just gave <laughs> so much more space to being a mother. Like I enjoyed it even more. And, I, and there was, yeah, it felt like there was this shift. Like now there's all this, all this space and so much more presence and so much more connection and so much more love for everybody because I'm oh. getting my needs met. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, yeah, yes. so amazing. Yeah, so you had this beautiful experience at 18 months. Is there anything else you want to share about your own journey before you we move to talk more about your experience, long experience with parents and babies? Anything else you want to share before we move there? Yeah, something that I have reflected on a number of times while I started to become comfortable with listening to feelings is that for many years as a midwife, like, my role has been to sit with people's discomfort in both the emotional space and the physical space and not try to take it away. And I found that really interesting that once I started to see how important and how valuable that was for my children, I could really settle into it. And it actually felt like such a privilege and such a beautiful thing to be part of this intimate space where you're there while someone's going through this huge emotional process, this transformation. And so there were a lot of parallels between like birth work and having the privilege of being with somebody while they're going through this 
incredible transformation and this incredible pivotal experience of their life and you get to be witness to it which is something that is absolutely amazing and you're not trying to do anything you're not trying to shift it or change it or fix it or help the person through it you're there holding that space for them while they move through it in their own way in their own time which doesn't mean that you're not supporting them. It just means that your role is to hold that space for them to go through those, go to those places and go to those depths. So I found that really interesting as I started listening to feelings and finding myself enjoying it. And I was like, this is how I feel when I'm at a birth. And it's not enjoying that someone is, you know, going through this huge process. It's about how fortunate am I to be witness to this moment, to be for this person, for this child, to have like opened the door for me to see them in this vulnerable place, in this place where they're really connected to themselves and connected to their feelings in their most rawest form. Oh, Carly, I love hearing that. It's just so gorgeous, isn't it? I, mean, I so resonate with the absolute honor of just being present in that way. But I love the, that those similarities of your experience. And what came to me as you were saying that is that also the similarities in terms of that deep trust in those profoundly natural, innate physiological processes to mm. go through that birthing process in a way to you know release a baby to to, to mm. get a baby out into the world and also the profound power of physiologically going to the deepest places in ourselves where our children to release stress and trauma painful feelings and that as we get more and more comfortable with that I know for myself in giving birth that beautiful experience and the power of being present I love what you say about that it's so necessary isn't it Mm. that that presence that support that I can imagine that you provide as a midwife and as we provide as parents to our babies to our children to let them know that you're safe and I'm here with you and I'm listening Mm. and and I trust you and I trust that all is well and I trust that you're moving through this and you'll come out the other side such a beautiful well I'm thinking of it as a metaphor for you you know like that real lived experience of how similar they are thank Mm. you for sharing that I love that It definitely took me longer to become more comfortable with listening to my children's feelings than it did to be present during birth, which I found really interesting. But I guess it was more around the conditioning that when a baby's crying or a child's crying, there's something wrong and we need to fix it. Whereas the conditioning, the understanding that we have around labour and birth is it's hard and it's painful and these kind of things. So I guess it did take longer for me to unlearn some of those ideas around babies and children and how it's helpful for them to release emotions. Yes, and it's so normal and natural, isn't it? Because it it is so much more confusing with babies if, as most of us did, think that all crying or all agitation, unsettledness indicates an unmet need and we keep looking for that need and it appears that we're doing something and we meet that need and the baby seems to be 
no, they're quiet again. It seems to be mm. that that's a fit. So it's much more of almost like a bit of a mysterious process, isn't it, to unravel that mm. and see actually is not everything is as we think it is, whereas it's yes. so much more clear with birth, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> I mean, of course, it's all about the hidden mysteries, but it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious there. Yeah, that there's a baby either coming out or not coming out. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I think the other really interesting thing is when we like reframe the idea of pain during childbirth and how in in general pain is the body telling us there's something wrong in the body and so it's letting us know there's something going on there's something that needs attention but pain during childbirth there's there's nothing wrong the body's going through a normal physiological process and so when we actually reframe the pain, we can look at it in a different way. And that was something that I did as well with my children and listening to feelings, really understanding like there isn't anything wrong on, on a physical level or there isn't any like needs that need to be met straight away that aren't emotional needs. And that reframing really helped me to be able to hold that space for them in a much more present way yes I love that wow that's so magical I'm also remembering when I was with my daughter when she was about four months four five months old and we were fairly new then to listening to crying in arms we started when she was three months old and I suddenly had an aha moment I can actually literally remember I remember where I was with her in the next room And I suddenly realized, oh, my gosh, she isn't finding this painful. Like she doesn't have an extra layer on top that's saying this is bad or this is wrong or this is painful. She's just in the feelings, expressing the feelings, doing what she's doing. And it's us who adds this extra layer on Mm. top. And I remember that being a little bit of an aha moment, like, oh, my gosh, she's just in it. She's just expressing these big feelings. And it just really helped me also that next layer for myself of being more comfortable and just go, Oh yeah. It's just, and it's actually quite satisfying, isn't it? I know I got to the point with my children that when they were having particularly those, you know, those expressions when it's almost like it's coming through with not getting stuck to the signs, the feelings and the energies Mm -hmm. are getting released really clearly and cleanly and, and actually how satisfying that is a little bit like you, when you were saying, you know, they're maybe on the floor doing all that. And it's the big expression. And actually it's really, really satisfying. And I remember that we meant from kind of going, listening to feelings is a bit, you know, tiring, draining to actually, oh my gosh, this is energizing and like really kind of enjoyable and touching and moving because it's like, yeah, they're getting it all out. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's it also has parallels with that feeling just before a baby's born because you're like, it's all just going to shift and everything's going to feel so much better. And so when children have these huge big releases, there is that kind of like excited anticipation that after this release, oh, everyone's going to feel so <laughs> lovely and calm and connected and it's going to be great. Yes, the whole quality in the room will change and everyone's going to be yeah. relaxed and happy. It's yeah, yeah. It's so and loving and they're yeah. going to be chosen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm going to be thinking for days now about all the metaphors and all the similarities between <laughs> birth and listening to feelings. So thank you for that. Very magical. Mm, where would you like to go next in terms of 
where parenting like I mean you've got so many years of experience of working with birth and with parents did you want to move there to sharing about some of those experiences in terms of what you've witnessed with parents yeah I would I was saying to you before we started that when I became a midwife I didn't really have a deep understanding that babies were sentient beings and that they were fully aware of everything that's going on while they're in utero and obviously once they're born. And I started my midwifery in Australia and not long after moved to Indonesia. And so I was living and working as a midwife in Bali. And obviously Bali is a very spiritual place and children are considered a gift from the gods. So children are absolutely honoured and revered and there's a really beautiful way of appreciating children here. And I just kept having these experiences where babies were communicating. Babies were communicating to parents while they were in their womb. Babies were communicating throughout the birthing process and then once they were born and I couldn't really ignore it (laughs) because a lot of the messages were very loud and I started reading some different books so I was started looking into um, Windows to the Womb by David Chamberlain and by my by my bed again at the moment is that (laughs) yes yes. (laughs) yeah and Stories of the Unborn Soul by Elizabeth Hallett and some of William Emerson's work, who's got decades of experience in uh, perinatal psychology. Yes. And I'd been aware of people, like I think when I was in my 20s, a lot of friends were experimenting with rebirthing and having these experiences through breathwork where they were reliving their birth experience. And then I started reading all these books and then I started witnessing all these things for myself. And it became so clear that babies are completely aware and that parents can communicate with their babies throughout pregnancy and during the labour and birth process and once they're born. And I always found it interesting when I'd suggest to parents that I'd ask, are you talking to your baby while during the pregnancy and they said no that feels strange and I understand that it can feel strange however I would then ask do you think once your baby's born you'll be talking to your baby and they'd say yes I'm like well they're just in a different place (laughs) yes (laughs) you just can't see their face but you can still feel their body and their presence and their movement and their energy And so I found it really interesting that for a lot of people, it did feel strange to communicate with a baby during pregnancy, given that in a very short time, when your baby is born, you'll be communicating with them on the, on the outside. And I started to see how babies would respond to people talking to them. So either just direct movement 
So when I was doing pregnancy checks for women and they would be talking to their baby or I would say, is it okay if I say hello to your baby and notice how the baby would respond to the mother, to the father, to the partner, to any other support people in the room. And I also observe this a lot during labour and birth. And so people who had become more comfortable with talking to their babies and noticing how when they could continue that communication and that connection throughout the labour and birth and really understand that the baby is not a passive participant of birth, which can be difficult for some people to have that understanding that like the baby is an active participant during the birth process is really it's about you two working together and so if you're working together then it makes sense that communicating with one another is going to help you have a more smooth birth Oh, I love that you're sharing about this. Yes, big, 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 yes, yes. It's actually one of my passions and I'm suddenly thinking, oh my gosh, I don't talk about this much because I just assume that everyone does. So I'm hearing you say, oh yes, of course, that isn't something that's known. You know, I, I was been really into also yeah, pre and perinatal psychology in my 20s and read lots of that, like also Bernie really loved a lot of his books as well. And Similarly, just seeing the power and the importance of having, and actually that's really part of aware parenting, I would see is that mm. in terms of attachment style parenting, that that's part of us as the parents bonding with a baby before they're born and really forming that beautiful connection, that interaction. So I love mm. that you're speaking about this. It's yeah. powerful and beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think I just witnessed things that couldn't really be explained. (laughs) (laughs) So 10 years ago or 12 years ago when I first started working in Bali, there wasn't many facilities. There was no special care nursery or NICU or anything like that. And I attended a number of births, one that, I'm thinking of in particular where the baby was born quite early. The baby was born at 32 weeks. And obviously in many countries around the world, that would mean, as you know, you have your personal experience that the baby would be in an incubator, that they wouldn't be having that skin to skin with their parents. They would often be on fluids or potentially some breathing support, most likely breathing support. And this little baby that I'm remembering was born and there isn't any of that. It wasn't an option. And the parents said, we're going to take our baby home. And they did. (laughs) And this little girl breastfed and she grew and thrived. And I think now she's, I don't know how old must be yeah 10 and so it was such a different experience to the work that I'd done in Australia when a baby had been born early and obviously completely different way of managing it these parents were just absolutely absolutely determined 
they were like, you know, our baby will be okay. We're going to take this baby home and love this baby and give this baby everything that it needs. And obviously there was conversations around, you know, that the baby's born early and these are the things that could potentially happen. And they were very adamant. And I find that so interesting because there was such a, there's such a like deep trust in babies and that this baby was meant to be here. These parents are there to give this baby a beautiful life and to love this baby and a lot of communicating with the baby. So Mm. a lot of communicating with the baby prior to the baby being born and a lot of communicating throughout the labour and birth and like letting the baby know what may happen when the baby's born and how it might feel. And then when the baby was here, lots and lots more communication. And so it was really beautiful to see how it can be different in these very extreme circumstances that this baby was born into and how when there are when those facilities don't exist like different things come into play so yeah yeah. so powerful yeah particularly as you said very relevant for my experience and as you're talking about that as well and I just feel into how it might be to have that to be talked to in that way right from early on in utero and really having that deep sense of connection and mattering and being Mm. included and all of those things and how that would really support the attachment process and the bonding process after birth and of course Aletha writes about this in the first chapter of the UA baby as well how important these things are have you observed kind of differences in terms of seeing parents who are communicating that way with their babies in utero and what you might observe once the baby's born are there tangible things that you've noticed yeah absolutely happy to share I yes I've noticed not only benefits for the baby but for the parents as well and how when parents feel this really deep connection and knowing of the baby growing inside them that really helps to trust the birth process and trust that they are there's a relationship and they're they're working together and I think it's important to note that everyone's connected to their baby regardless of whether you're spending time talking to your baby every day your baby is connected physically emotionally energetically mentally and so sometimes it can feel hard for people who think back on certain experiences and think that maybe they could have put more energy into connecting and and things like that so I just want to really make that clear that everybody's connected to their baby what I have observed is that when people spend time really connecting to their baby in that way of like talking to them letting them know what's happening so for example a bit of a dialogue around your day so narrating your day to your baby which could be something like I'm just about to hop into the shower you're going to feel quite warm right now there's going to be warm water running over you letting them know that there's going to be a shift in the temperature or if you're 
getting on a plane and saying, oh, there's going to be a lot of noise happening and you're going to feel all this rumbling and then we're going to be up really high and it's probably going to feel quite strained for you. So I I feel like not only is that a beautiful thing to do for the baby, but it can be quite therapeutic for the parents as well. <laughs> and then we hear so much around how the emotional state of pregnant mothers impacts babies and and we have all this research to show that that can be that 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 can impact on on the baby's dna on their birth on their entry into the world so and i think that's really important to know and to understand but i also think we need to be very kind and compassionate towards ourselves and remember that this is life like life is busy life is stressful surprising things happen in our lives and there are a lot of things that are out of our control and so sometimes it can be it can feel more stress inducing to be like oh I'm stressed try and relax try and relax try and relax rather than just like oh I'm stressed that's okay. I've had a really busy day at work or there's some situations going on that are feeling really overwhelming right now. And so I often suggest just talking about that, like letting your baby know. And while I'm talking about narrating your day, like that, I actually feel like that can be helpful for you as well. So just letting your baby know, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed right now. I've had a really busy day. I'm just going to go and sit down and have a glass of water. (laughs) You might feel more hydrated after this glass of water too. (laughs) Yeah, that's so beautiful, isn't it? And then, of course, it's one of the things I love about where parenting can be so reassuring for parents to know, for mothers in particular, if we have been stressed during pregnancy, to know that, of course, as well, our babies are going to be also able to share their feelings about that once they're born and so that we can really be deeply compassionate with ourselves as you say and really know that's available and of course us I really remember just crying more easily when I was pregnant again that beautiful natural innate process that we have also to release stress so that if when we're pregnant we cry more easily to really if we're willing and we feel comfortable to really roll with that and and yeah and cry more to actually yeah to be and also as you say communicating that to our babies so absolutely yeah and I love also, it as well about the therapeuticness as well it's like that mm. it really can be very help us become more present can't it I remember yes. too also once my babies were born doing a lot of that you know mm. coming into the bathroom now and now we're doing this and really there's nothing like having a baby to really help us be so present and that kind definitely of that process can't it yes absolutely I feel like that narration in pregnancy can help you to slow down a little bit more and obviously that's such a great thing in preparation for having a baby yes yeah the other thing I wanted to mention about stress during pregnancy is when we understand that babies are sentient beings and are aware of everything happening then I believe they're aware of the world they're coming into so they will understand that when the the pregnant mother's had a busy day and is feeling stressed like that's okay like they're going to be understanding of that and obviously we can always put effort into slowing things down and being present and being more relaxed and taking care of ourselves 
I just think it's important to be mindful that we don't feel guilty when that's difficult or challenging for us to do that because there's a lot of noise out there about what you need to do in pregnancy and it can it can make it quite stressful it can make it extra stressful or extra challenging yes absolutely I so agree with you and you know my passion for supporting all well particularly mothers but all humans to put down what I call those guilt sticks and I yes. it's so necessary to do that absolutely that babies you know and I love what you're saying to really support them to understand the, in a way the family they're being born into and the life that is there for them and again it's that trust isn't it I love that trust in a way parenting of baby mm. how I always talk about they come into the world with these two things to fit into the family and culture they're born into and also to be authentically themselves and you know, mm-hmm. that beautiful dance that we can support them with yeah this is life and yeah getting free from guilt is really helpful <laughs> yes yeah and I think that's what's so beautiful with the way of parenting is there is so much compassion and so much space for knowing that your child or your baby does have the ability to heal themselves and it doesn't need to happen straight away you don't need to do all of the right things in pregnancy or the birth doesn't have to be this textbook physiological birth or feeding doesn't have to go a certain way there's so much space for babies to be able to move through difficult experiences as there is for us as well (laughs) Um, but I think it's much easier for a baby to move through those experiences because they're like you were talking before about the layers that we put so many layers we've got many years worth of layers whereas a baby's open absolutely open and pure and able to move through things with much more ease yes oh my gosh I think we have a similar passion for babies and we obviously expressed in a different way and you get to see a lot more of them than I do but it's so wonderful as well you know even talking about bonding as well that even if we didn't know about this beforehand we didn't talk to our babies in utero or when they were babies that well, perhaps we didn't offer them as much closeness as we might once we learn about aware parenting is that it's never too late you know even if you have a yeah. seven-year-old and they just want to snuggle up all the time or they want to start co-sleeping again or something like that that we can really offer these reparative experiences at any age both not only the healing through the crying and the raging the laughter and the play but also through offering lots of closeness and prompt responding and all of those beautiful things Absolutely, because I think parents are the best people at judging themselves and I love that aware parenting helps to remedy that a little and helps to take away the urgency. There's so much urgency in our life these days. It's like everything has to be immediate and just being able to trust that trust the child's timeline trust your own process trust your when you learned about a certain thing when you started experimenting with it yes and know that there yeah it's never too late I think that's such a important message for people yes it's almost like they're the two ultimate antidotes aren't they trust and compassion which in a way goes back to what you're saying at the beginning about being with birthing women and being with babies and children expressing feelings is that 
that trust and that presence, compassionate, loving, yeah, being with them. Those those two are magical balms, aren't they? <laughs> mm, absolutely. Yeah. I did want to share a story that I was reflecting on about a birth where the baby was very clearly waiting for communication <laughs> or an invitation and the family gave me permission to share this story mm. um and so the this is their fourth baby and the father wasn't sure about having a fourth baby her pregnancy progressed and progressed and progressed until she was getting closer to 43 weeks of pregnancy and she told me afterwards that the morning that she went into labor her partner actually touched her stomach and said I'm ready for you to come now and I didn't learn this until after the baby had been born and I was like oh Everything makes sense because during the birth, uh, the baby had a bit of a tricky time being born. He was in an interesting position and he needed a little bit of help to breathe when he arrived in the world. And so we were all around him and then we noticed that the father was standing back and so we felt that he needed to come in and so he came in and he put his hand on the baby's chest and the baby immediately started to breathe and afterwards when the mother had shared the story that he had invited the baby that morning that she went into labor it just felt so clear that this baby really was waiting for an invitation from his dad to arrive into the world. And following the birth, we had a lot of conversations about this and we all agreed that this little baby, there was that, that he was waiting. There was this, this requirement for this space or this invitation or this permission for him to be born and I also didn't learn till afterwards that the father hadn't been completely sure about having the fourth baby so all of the pieces of the puzzle fitted together and I found it so interesting that it was just so clear that this baby needed that from their father and I think often people do find these kind of messages coming through during pregnancy or labor or birth or following and sometimes they don't become clear until the baby's much older <laughs> or even a child and they say something or do something or move their body in a way that is kind of hard to explain or they say something that doesn't make any sense at the time and then people look back and go, oh. <laughs> oh, oh I feel so, I, I was touched to tears hearing that. It's so powerful, isn't it, to really, it's like that depth of really, exactly as you said right at the beginning, that their conscious beings are interacting all the time. And I just feel so touched because 
And I think it's such a shared passion that we have to really support this cultural shift away from where we still are in some degree as you say it's really recently even wasn't it that babies were given anesthetic if they had medical interventions as newborns but mm. they've still got quite a long way to go culturally haven't we to really this deep honoring and this deep consideration and really understanding the extent to which they're completely always with us in these conversations in these back and forth interactions and something so precious that happens the more we open up to that isn't it and they're like oh yeah like just because they have little small bodies doesn't mean they're any mm. less important they're you know oh, yeah so so important yeah absolutely. So thank you thank you for what you're sharing i so enjoyed talking with you i have a sense we could just talk about babies for hours together and so i would love to finish with asking would you like to share something with parents whether that's and see the birds have come they're all really happy to <laughs> singing for joy uh is there anything you would like to say to parents whether that's maybe parents to be or women who are pregnant or perhaps parents who haven't maybe known about these things particularly in terms of really interacting with their babies in this way what might you like to say to them I think I would like to encourage people to get curious about what it feels like to start talking to your baby when they're inside your body and when you actually lay down and be still and put your hands on your belly and talk to your babies notice if there's movement if there's a response if you feel any changes because I think once people start experimenting it can feel really beautiful to have that reciprocal relationship where you can say something to your baby and you'll get a response from your baby I also feel it's lovely for partners to do that as well. So babies are obviously listening to the voices of partners. They're, they can, they're knowing them, they're feeling them, they're sensing them around. So there's no reason why partners can't start communicating while babies are in the womb as well. And that can be a really lovely thing because then you can feel like you already have that relationship before the baby's born so I feel that just experimenting with it and it might feel a bit strange or awkward at first and that's okay I think when once we really remember and understand like your baby's a human being and in a short time they will be out in the world so it can be such a lovely thing to build that connection during pregnancy I also feel that like we chatted about it's never too late to start doing that it's never too late to have that communication with your baby so if you do have a baby who's a few months old and it does feel strange or awkward to be talking to them we know that obviously it's such an incredible part of language development and social and emotional development to be talking to your baby and like Marion shared earlier just like narrating your day <laughs> and if you sing your day that's great too so I work with quite a lot of families who find themselves singing 
singing their day out oh, to their babies. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so we know that like those funny songs or rhymes or talk or whatever you narrate that can be just as powerful as like sitting and reading books. So a lot of parents think, oh, I need to sit down and read a book to my three-month-old baby or my six-month-old baby. But if you're walking into the bathroom and seeing a song about how you're going into the bathroom and you're going to wash your hands, that is equally valuable and equally important. Yeah, I love that. that. I'm also thinking about siblings as well, really helpful to include siblings to be and to be part of that interaction as well so that they also are getting used to actually having this relationship with the baby, which is, of course, particularly important for that bonding relationship as well. Absolutely. That's such an important part that we haven't touched on is children often feel quite comfortable talking to a baby in the womb. <laughs> That's not something that they need much practice at. And so often children will be letting us know what the baby's saying and giving us information that we might not yet have. So that can be such a lovely thing to do with your other children is having them be able to have time, putting their hands on your belly, chatting, connecting, um, drawing pictures if that feels good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've had mentees as well who've had the older child say oh the baby wants to be called so and so or the baby's definitely a girl and everyone thinks the baby's a boy or you know things like that it's so yeah. many beautiful stories of things like that over yeah yeah my children have told me what my baby's name is <laughs> oh they have there you go <laughs> and yeah so they've given the name which they've very convinced <laughs> so <laughs> yeah oh, lovely yeah and they chat they chat every day so they have time where they're like can I say hello to Coco that's what they call the baby oh, they can we talk to Coco and then they'll say Coco's sad and I'm like oh do you want to tell me more about that and then oh, they're like oh Coco's happy now oh, so, so, so they've got their own communication happening yeah, I think that can make such a difference, can't it? Of starting off in that way, as we mean to go on, like supporting them to be having that loving connection. It's beautiful. Absolutely. It can definitely ease some of the challenges with that, those early months where it can feel quite unsteady in the family dynamic where there's a new sibling coming in. If the child, the older siblings have already had a relationship or feel like they have a relationship. And even giving a name that they've chosen can be quite lovely as well because they feel like it's theirs. They've had some input. And my five-year-old still calls my two-year-old his baby. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, and the name part as well. And it's so important because so often for the older sibling, there can be feelings of powerlessness, particularly if they didn't choose obviously some children do say I really want to, to have a baby mm -hmm. I want you to have a baby but some children really don't want that so the fact that again if they have some sense of choice in terms of names or those kinds of things can really support that yeah to be absolutely yeah absolutely 
and also just giving them more space to talk about the hard feelings. So I remember when my second baby was about two weeks old and my son, who was almost three or two two years and nine months, he said, it makes me feel sad when you breastfeed my baby. And I said, yeah, I could imagine it would make you feel sad. So he was able to give voice to some of the feelings around that shifting family dynamic. And I felt that was really powerful and helpful for him to move through some of the hard stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm almost having a sense we could do another one. No, there's Lau and I did an episode on siblings and we talked about preparing for a new sibling, but we could do another one on that, talking in more depth. I'm remembering some lovely things that I did as well. Might be a mm. nice conversation. I love it's such I love this topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really hear that. Me too. <laughs> I just realised I went off on a tangent about siblings, though, when I was meant to just say something nice and oh, concise oh about. Oh, no, I, lo- I love it where we've gone. I think it's beautiful. I really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so lovely. Uh, yeah, so do you want to share So, what you're up to, what people can find out about you, anything else that you want to share so people can come and hear more of your wisdom? Yes, I would love to. So I'm currently working predominantly online and doing a variety of sessions. So I do pregnancy support, birth support, lactation sessions, aware parenting sessions. And so that's on my website, which is seedpodfamilies.com. I also have an Instagram account, which is seedpod, seed underscore pod underscore. Um. Oh, wonderful. And so amazing to have the whole mixture aware parenting with all these other beautiful things like the lactation consultancy and so on. So I think it's such a beautiful thing to have the understanding of all the different maps and models that you can offer to parents. So, yeah. So Yes. I love weaving them all in. That's a real passion of mine. So there's so much overlap and so many things that weave in so beautifully. So doing lactation support with an aware parenting lens is really beautiful and very different so I love doing that yeah and as we were talking about before I'd love to invite you back on sometime to talk more about those things we can have many conversations so I'm going to be looking forward to those (laughs) thank you so much I've just got the hugest smile on my face as you can see I just so appreciate you and so appreciate what you bring to the world in terms of this deep compassion for parents but deep understanding of babies and how to really connect with them so deeply so thank you for what you do thank you for being here and you'll be back we'll be back (laughs) (laughs) thank you Marin I also want to say thank you because as I've shared with you before it's your flavor of aware parenting that really resonated with me so it was being able to kind of see it through your eyes or read resources from you or learn from you that made so much sense to me so I love that about aware parenting that there is an approach however it can be fluid and it can shift and move in certain ways and so finding the parts that really feel good and following that and if there's something that yeah you can you can make it work so I love that 
thank you. Oh, thank you, Claudia. I feel so touched hearing that. And I think that's something I love so much about Aletha Salter, of course, the founder of Aware Parenting, is that she's so passionate about that we're really clear about what Aware Parenting is and isn't. But within that, she really wants everybody to come in with our own flavors and our own interests and our own ways of explaining things and sharing about this and I think that's what brings so much nuance and joy and vibrancy to aware parenting yes yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah well thank you so much and so much love to you and I really look forward to inviting you on again and talking to you another time thanks Marianne Mm -hmm. and lots of love to the listeners and talk to you next time